when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping we find you in good form on this uh, Tuesday morning. John Paul back taking your calls today at 1850 If you want to text WhatsApp 0862103103. If you pick up any of the papers today, it is all about Brexit. And we are going to be discussing uh, Brexit in a couple of minutes with the news that UK have decided to postpone the Brexit vote. We thought that's what we were going to be uh, discussing uh, today. But um, a lot of the papers picking up on what Theresa May said yesterday and it points to what could be a united Ireland moving dramatically closer. That's if the backstop is removed from the Brexit deal. According to Theresa May yesterday in a warning that caused significant surprise, it seems, in Dublin, Theresa May openly admitted that voters in Northern Ireland may want to join the Republic rather than see border posts um, re Erected. It was a day of what's described a day of shambles uh, in Westminster as the Prime Minister delayed today's so-called meaningful vote on the withdrawal uh, agreement and of course she vowed to seek further reassurances from the EU. It seems to be the backstop is the big stumbling point and she wants to go back to the EU to see how is this backstop going to work. Our own Taoiseach Leo Varadkar along with the EU leaders though they've come out totally rejected the idea of reopening negotiations because when I even heard it yesterday I was thinking how could they reopen negotiations when you bear in mind that the negotiations to get to this stage to get to this deal those negotiations have been going on for 18 months and we only have until the end of uh, March so I don't know what uh, Theresa May was thinking of but when I was watching it yesterday I watched it yesterday live when Theresa May stood up in the it stood up in Westminster the one thing that always gets to me when you're watching what happens in Parliament uh, in London is the way they heckle each other and in particular the way they heckle their Prime Minister. Now, I know our own lads in Leinster House are no angels and they're good at shouting across at each other and there has been, you know, many a spat in Leinster House but not to the level that they seem to heckle each other in Westminster. I mean, it was almost cringeworthy yesterday. You know, the peals of laughter when Theresa May was trying to speak. And I was looking at her thinking, you know, because she's gone, she's going greyer and whiter. Her hair colour is by the day. I mean, she's ageing in front of our eyes. And you kind of looked at her and thought, oh, God, she's an elderly lady. Is there not a level of respect here? Would you not at least 
listen to her and then get up and say what you want to say. But literally they were heckling and hissing at her. And But, you know, that's just the way they do politics in England. That is just an aside. Anyway, your thoughts on what's going on with Brexit. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts and uh, comments. What do you think will be the effect of Theresa May not going for the vote uh, today and we're also going to talk about we touched on this briefly yesterday because we did get some commentary on it this Tory MP uh, Pretty Patel who came out of the weekend threatening food shortages here in Ireland post uh, Brexit now there was a huge reaction on Twitter over the weekend to it I couldn't believe what this woman was actually saying so we're going to discuss that as well on the programme uh, today and then keeping it a little bit festive we're going to get tips and words of advice on how to protect our homes in the lead up to Christmas and over Christmas and uh, maybe if you're going away for, for, for Christmas but particularly in the lead up when we are we've already discussed the amount of money individual households will spend and how in the month of December it's the most expensive month for households particularly households with children and we spend more in the month of December than we do on any other month of uh, the year and people will be buying expensive gifts and then you hide them around the house. Now, obviously, they've got to be some presents with them um, have got to be put away for Santa Claus to make sure that Santa Claus uh, gets them in time. And uh, so um, I mean, careful of my words here in case there's small he's listening, but also presents for family members. And they can be quite expensive presents bought uh, for people and people hide them around the house for fear that when they're out that the house might be broken into but it's where we hide the presents in the house and the thing is the burglars seem to know where we're hiding the presents and there's an interesting survey has been done but of course the big one is is to make sure that our houses are safe the last thing you would want is to have your house broken into over Christmas I know a family member of mine over in England a number of years ago on Christmas night had their house broken into it. They'd all gone to bed and the following day one of the children got up and went downstairs and came back up and sort of came into the bedroom and went uh, uh, Dad, uh, uh, the, the television isn't there. And do you know when you're half asleep it's like, oh, you know, you know switch it on or, you know, you, ha- you haven't switched it on properly. He wasn't really listening to what was being said. So the child potted back downstairs again, then came back upstairs uh, again and went, uh, Dad, my PlayStation's missing. And so eventually, you know, this relative of mine just said, oh, what's going on? Came downstairs. Yeah. And the house had been broken into and the, all the Christmas toys. There was money that the children had got it. Uh, Christmas jewellery had been taken. But just a horrible thing to wake up to on uh, Stevens this morning. So we do need to protect our homes um, at Christmas as well. We'll talk about homelessness on the programme today because Threshold are joining us to talk about how they've helped tenants to keep their homes. And we also want to talk with Threshold because Threshold are celebrating their 40th anniversary since the housing charity was set up uh, in this country. And you think back to when the housing charity was set up in the 70s and there was a need for it at the time. But by God, there has never been such a need for a housing charity as there is now. I don't even think when the founders of Threshold set up back in the 70s could they have ever predicted that in uh, 2018 as they celebrate their 40th anniversary could they have predicted what this country was going to be like when it comes to homelessness. And I can't help this year but think of families who are going to be in emergency accommodation 
families with young children, God, it must, it will just, it's going to be such a difficult time for little ones waking up on Christmas morning and the stress levels uh, for their parents. It really is going to be a very, very difficult time for so many people. And actually staying on the whole topic of stress. We are going to deal with stress and get some really good tips and pointers from uh, Joe Heffernan who talked to us about Christmas and stress and how to avoid and how to manage some of the stress over Christmas because I was reading about a survey at the weekend that shows a third of people in Ireland say they get stressed in the run up to Christmas. This is something we all have to deal with I suppose ourselves. One in five who answered this survey said that they expect confrontations at their family gatherings. Now that's something that Joe Heffernan will deal with and despite the economic boom, money is still a worry this year for two in five people. So, you know, while there has been a lift in the economy, you know, the government are constantly you know, shouting from the rooftops and rightly so that there's more people back at work. So there's, you know, more money in the economy. And you can see it when you're out and about shopping. I mean, the 8th of December, I think, was a very busy day and a lot of retailers would have done very well, which is terrific uh, for the retailers. So you can sense that there is extra money out there, but there isn't extra money out there for everyone. And, and we've, you know, let's not um, uh, forget that. This survey says that half of us find it hard to relax at Christmas and almost 20% describe it as lonely or sad with one in 10 saying they'll spend Christmas Day uh, alone. So it isn't the most festive and happy time uh, for uh, everyone. And we're also going to speak with a man who is alive today because a defibrillator was available. We spoke yesterday about the community first responders in East Two Hollow. They're about to set up. Don't forget that meeting is on tonight in the Adele uh, Quinn Hall. And we spoke yesterday when I was speaking with uh, Tim Noonan about the new group in East Two Hollow. We spoke yesterday about defibrillators and how important defibrillators are. And I spoke about how it always annoys me when I hear of vandals vandalising a defibrillator because you never know when you or a family member is going to need a defibrillator and we should all know where our nearest defibrillator is. So we'll speak with a man today who is living proof that a defibrillator can and does work and does save lives. This is the Court Today replay on C103. A listener has contacted us and has asked us not to call out her name, which um, we won't. Um, all, all I will say, it, it, it is a listener in the Balanine area is uh, looking for a bit of a dig out. Uh, just wondering, could you please ask your listeners, would anybody out there have a PlayStation 4 for sale? My son is looking for one for Christmas and I can't afford to buy a new one. Uh, thank you so much. And uh, we have the lady's name, obviously, and um, a telephone number. So, again, just showing what I was saying a couple of minutes ago, that while you know, there's a lot of money back out in the economy, it isn't there for everyone. And it must be just heartbreaking when a child, a little boy, wants something and, you know, possibly of the age where he can write to Santa Claus and thinks, you know, I've asked Santa Claus for it, so of course I'm going to get it. And then you've got a mother frantically trying to get the money together and realising with a couple of weeks to go to Christmas, she can't afford to buy a a new one. So looking to buy a second hand one. So does anybody have a PlayStation 4 for sale or does anybody know can anyone point us in the, re- the direction of where we can send this lady where there are second hand PlayStation 4s obviously we need one in really good nick and we need one to make sure that one is work you know that is working maybe you have one in your house that your children have grown out of they no longer play with this 
they've got an upgrade, you've got a new one for them, you know, or you bought one yourself, you know, it was a bit of a fad and you bought one yourself, used it a couple of times and then it's still sitting there and, you know, never used or hardly ever used, but it's in good working order. It's got to be in good working order because we've got, this is for a little boy who wants it uh, for Christmas. So if anyone can help us, as I say, this lady is in the Ballinine uh, area. It doesn't have to be somebody in the Ballinine uh, area, but I don't want her to have to go too far, you know, with collecting it and getting it to her, etc. so that she can uh, hand over the cash to buy so if anybody has a PlayStation 4 for sale or as I say if you saw one maybe on a a particular website maybe you know one of those buy and sell sites or on one of those there's some really good community web Facebook pages that are up and running that you know people will put items up for sale you might have seen one up for sale there so if anybody knows of a PlayStation 4 for sale for a little boy whose mum unfortunately can't hasn't got the money for a new one uh, can you help us with this one, please? 1850 It would be great by the close of the programme if we had this sorted and it would take a little bit of stress away from that young mother and uh, she can just get on with the rest of the preparation that goes that's involved with getting ready for uh, Christmas. So if you can help there. We also had a gentleman contact us. This is somebody looking for tips and advice. We, we normally always get good reaction to these, the, these types of calls. A gentleman contacted us yesterday. He is from Whelan he spilt emulsion paint on a stone fireplace and in a bit of a panic what's the best way to get it off emulsion paint on a stone fireplace and you can imagine paint in the room getting ready for Christmas and you kick over or you knock over the tin of paint and vroom and all over a stone fireplace oh my god the thought of it anyway if anybody can help us with that if anybody has a solution to getting rid of paint emulsion paint in particular just to make it a little bit worse from a stone fireplace 1850 John Paul uh, taking the calls by the way the phones are busy so uh, as I always say to people if you're having problems getting through on the phone or you get frustrated because the phones ring out and there's only John Paul answering them if you send us a text or a WhatsApp requesting a call back when the phone lines go a bit quieter, John Paul picks them up and is able to call you back. So you can do that as well. Text and WhatsApp is 0862 103 103. And an email. Other way of contacting us, you can email Patricia at c103.ie. This is from Margaret. It says, Patricia, I'm sick of listening to people on about saying that there's no Christmas atmosphere around. And where's the festive atmosphere gone? They expect to be entertained and served at their convenience. Make your own atmosphere, says our Margaret. Think of others. Help and volunteer at some charity. Be grateful for what you have and look around you and see the the struggle that other people are facing. It's not all about you. People seem to be so entitled these days. And remember, there are people going through some life-changing treatments and struggles. And for them, the Christmas spirit might be just you asking them, how are you? How are you feeling? Well done, uh, Margaret. And you're right, there are people who are going through all kinds of uh, struggles that people don't even realise or don't even see. And while people are going, oh, I want a bit of Christmas spirit, Margaret is right, go out and make it yourself. Or as I'm 
always banging on about the best way I think of if you want to try and get back to the Christmas spirit of say your childhood or the Christmas spirit you remember growing up the one I always say is to go to the church if they're having some kind of a carol service Christmas carol service uh, on and if there's children involved and there's a nativity play even better that'll put you in the Christmas spirit I guarantee 1850 John Paul taking the course text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Laura Gelga, RC 103. Conor McGregor and Cahula Dig Dool made you go to the Gromlin in Mala Ahaclea. Drastal share well sculled and vanskalicht, August Arguel Clotted and vanskalicht. Agisha Dojuk, Cossie Connor, Egdurnolyuk, August Agisha Octiug, Rugshe Kate Comortis Profesunta. In the Egyptian, Hossigshe UFC, Le John Kavanagh, Marrain Ali. Togolasan again. The notorious August Mystic Man. Tashe Kuikri Ne Norluk in Arda, August Teresh Doctor de Vuinche, Kenyanche Uridor Dofein. Tashe Fehene Mlean Dish, August Toposh da Warnigan, Connor Jack, Lena Fortner D. Devlin. Nese Untain Champion, Ernuk Atagwin, in UFC. Sin Alin Koruk Mastaha. Forshe Ain Kade Maloon Dollar Duntrud, Aguina Mayweather, Elunasa Anuri. Is far on sever a gone in a go. The blur guelga is Misha Podge de Bertoon or Gwelskult Mostavish Paula. CK'd as a three Kirkig. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world class brands, and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Now yesterday we had calls into the programme from people who were shocked and annoyed by comments made by Conservative MP Pretty Patel, who suggested the threat of food shortages in Ireland post-Brexit. Sinn Féin MEP for the South, uh, Leonie Ria, that joins me. Good morning to you, Leah. Uh, now, before we get to Pretty Patel's uh, comments, I suppose what's over completely overshadowed that is uh, Theresa May and her decision to postpone the vote today. What are the implications of the postponement of today's vote on the Brexit deal? Well, really, I think it just spells out the nature of how chaotic uh, the whole approach has been to Brexit by Theresa May and her government. Uh, and really, like, the EU is not backing down, and even Donald Tusk has said that, you know, we are not up for renegotiating this. So I'm not sure what she's hoping to gain by postponing this. I think for us, it's more about distraction, and it's more about just putting it on the long finger. And uh, who knows where it's going to end, but really the Irish government now need to ensure that the EU back the Irish government and back Ireland to make sure that we don't have a border, that the Good Friday Agreement is protected, and that all the rights of the people across the north are protected. So it just spells absolute chaos. I suppose it's nothing that we didn't expect in one regard when you consider how Theresa May has been treating the whole Brexit scenario from the beginning. You know, when you look back, Patricia, to last December, we were supposed to have an agreement, uh, and they reneged on that. And so it seems to be just kicking the can down the road the whole time, and with the withdrawal date coming so fast, uh, March is just around the corner so uh, who knows where it's going to end but it's not good not looking good 
But but is the postponement um, essentially a defeat of the Brexit deal? It kind of looks like that, but it's really impossible to imagine that there will be no deal because that's just too big a, an issue to contemplate. Um, I would suspect my own view is that I think if this is just going to be kicked down the road and that there'll be some kind of transition put in place. Of course, they could revoke Article 50 because now the European Court of Justice came out and said it's perfectly legal for the British people to say or for the British government to withdraw Article 50. But I don't think they're going to go down that route either, even though it is an option that's available to them. So look, it just means that the whole thing is jumping from chaos to chaos and and no clarity or certainty uh, on anything. And really, we cannot even imagine what a no deal would look like, even though Donald Tusk did say that if there's a no deal, that we have to start looking at what uh, measures are going to be put in place to safeguard, I suppose, particularly Ireland to be safeguarded in that regard. So I'd like to hear what the detail of that is, because I have raised this before in different committees. I've asked, you know, what if we have a no deal scenario? And I raised this as early as, you know, even last year saying, look, what are we going to do if there is a no deal? You know, it's better to be safe than sorry and start planning for that now. As far as I can see, there's no detail or no plans for that event. And I think that's very foolish. And I'm right in saying that there, Theresa May has little or no chance of renegotiation of this deal. I mean, it took some 18 months to get to where we are now. There's no chance of renegotiation, is there? There isn't really. And I think the the EU has been very, very uh, determined on that. And as I said, Donald Tusk came out and said, look, we are not for going back or reneging on any part of the deal and it's not up for negotiation. So, as you said yourself, Patricia, 18 months to come to this point. Um, but we're not really, as I said, terribly surprised because this is the way that, that Theresa May and her government have been approaching this in a very ad hoc uh, manner, going back and forth and still nothing concrete coming out of it. And a report from the British government that I read over the weekend suggested that Ireland's GDP would drop by 7% against a figure of 5% for the United Kingdom on an old deal scenario. Would it be that bad for Ireland? I think it will be that. I think it will be bad for Ireland, but I don't think it'll be as bad as it is going to be for England, obviously. Uh, and I think there's a bit of scaremongering in that regard. But look, again, we have to look at economics are changing all the time and forecast change. So, but at the same time, yes, there's no question that it is going to be bad economically for Ireland and right across so many sectors. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as it is for England. We see the pound is, is fluctuating and dropping uh, as time is going by, which is another bad, bad news for, for England. And obviously, look at good old saying of every time England needs Ireland catches the cold, mm. I think we'll be tired in this matter as well. And then back to Priti Patel's uh, comments. I mean, is there any risk of food shortage you see here post-Brexit? No, I think that was an utterly empty threat. Uh, and there's no need to panic at all because, look, Ireland is one of the most food-secure nations in the world. Uh, I just think her comments were particularly odious given, I suppose, Britain's history of genocide with starvation, the Gurtha Moor and all of that. Um, it was un- completely unhelpful. And I think, again, it indicates the mindset, I suppose, of some of the Tory MPs and where they're at in relation to Ireland. Uh, and obviously, like the comment as well, you know, attracts a huge amount of uh, commentary internationally because, and people utterly condemning it. It was, it was a pretty cheap shot, really. Uh, but there is no need for panic. You know, we are in a very secure position in Ireland in terms of food. Obviously, we do have an awful lot in terms of when we look at, at imports and exports, uh, particularly with England. And it is going to impact on that. But as for the threat of food shortages, 
uh, I think it's ridiculous to, to use that as some kind of leverage to try and get a better deal and to be using Ireland again is just uh, indicative, I suppose, of where the, where the, the UP indeed and Tory government are at when it comes to prices. OK, so the ball very much back in Theresa May's court, but it looks like she doesn't know what to do with it now. It really is. And, you know, I wouldn't like to be in her position. Um, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough place to be for anyone. But she has to put it together uh, because to think of, of a no deal and a crash out is completely unacceptable for anyone, really. And I can't see, like, it's not going to be a benefit to the Brits. It's not going to, certainly not going to be a benefit to us. Uh, and so you would imagine that, you know, practicality has to enter into it and that she has to have the, the gumption to carry through with it and try and, and whip her government into shape to accept it. And where where does it go from here? Is there is there an, a, a meeting this week? She's around. She's doing the the, the rounds in, in in Europe now. She's meeting with Jean uh, Claude Juncker, the head of the Commission. I think she's meeting the Dutch Prime Minister. She's meeting a whole load of different European counterparts. But this isn't something that is new. She has done this already. So I can't really see how meeting them yet again to try and, and negotiate or navigate a new deal is going to be beneficial because they've already had the outcome of that. So I think it's a PR exercise that she's doing, really, and distraction tactics uh, by not actually facing up to what the, the real thing is. It's a, it's a yes or no situation. And she's delaying it because obviously she doesn't have support from her own government. Mm. So all it'll be an interesting story a few weeks ahead, I'd say. But I think, look, in my view, I would suspect that they will just delayed and that there's going to be some kind of transition put in place because otherwise uh, it's just too big a mess to even contemplate. Because there are deadlines. I mean, a deal was to be or is to be ratified, isn't it, by the 21st of January? There are there are some deadlines right. looming. There there are and quite often with these negotiations you'll find it's the last minute.com that a deal will be struck um, and we would hope that it will be because look, it's the only solution that is there that's on the table at the moment and think that they wouldn't do it is extremely foolish and it's folly to do that so look you would hope and that's all we can do at this stage is, is try and keep the pressure from an Irish perspective that the Irish government keeps up the pressure uh, to ensure that a deal is struck and done on time um, Liz Jim says um, could Leah see a united Ireland in her lifetime and by the way says Jim I love the way she always throws in uh, the few couple of fuck uh, it's, it's, fa- it's fabulous to hear says Jim but Jim's first point can you see a united Ireland in your lifetime well firstly Tom on the way Jim and a big shout out to you there um, I can because it's something that would have been inconceivable perhaps even 10 years ago 5 years ago but now given the way that Europe is going, the reunification of Ireland is something that certainly is on the table. There is discussion about it all the time, certainly um, on the ground at home, north, south, east and west, and even more so from a European perspective. Quite often MEPs are coming up to me saying, you know, would this not be a solution? It's not far-fetched to think that we now at least have the discussion about a united Ireland and what it would look for. It makes so much more practical sense. Um, but it has to be a united of Ireland where everybody feels comfortable and everybody's identities are respected in that regard and certainly in relation to Brexit uh, it does seem like rather an elegant solution even though complex to put it together but not not unachievable Okay we'll leave it there and before we go how is life uh, post presidential election? (laughs) Well you know I'm very glad to be back in Brussels I have to say where the real politics uh, happened 
And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to be back here in Brussels. And of course, I'll be looking for people to vote for me again, Lacuna Day in the European elections. Uh, I suppose we're at the front line here in Brussels, really. Whereas even though I would have um, looked forward to the challenges of being president of Ireland and all that would go with it, for me it was about trying to bring it into a modern era and making it far more political, I suppose, in one regard. Uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. Uh, it was a learning curve. It was an experience I'm not sure I'd want to repeat, but just to be honest. <laughs> but any but regrets then, Any regrets around, around standing? No, because, no. you know, it's always things that you don't do are the things you regret. Yeah. And if I hadn't, I would have always been saying, well, should I? Uh, and at least that's something that I can tick off the bucket list. Not that I recommend it for everybody to put it on their bucket list, mind. <laughs> It's a tough election, that's for sure. Okay, listen, if we don't uh, chat before Christmas, uh, have, a, have a happy Christmas and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks so much, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is MEP for the South, uh, Leah uh, Neerida, with her views on what is happening and all really is a little bit of a shambles at the moment. And uh, Theresa May now in Brussels. She's expected to canvass EU leaders in the bid to try to what she particularly seems to is trying to get is additional reassurance on the backstop. It's believed she's seeking a declaration of sorts on the backstop, which would under underline its temporary nature in an effort to win, o- win over the votes that she will need to get this passed in a Westminster. Watch this uh, space. A difficult, difficult uh, few weeks ahead uh, for the UK government. That is for sure. Now, the AA is warning Irish homeowners to use their imagination more when it comes to hiding Christmas presents in order to reduce the risk of losing everything in the very unfortunate event of a burglary. Barry Aldworth is senior media officer with the AA and Barry joins me. Good morning to you Barry. Good morning Patricia, how are you? Uh, and I'm very well. You've done a survey on where people hide their Christmas presents. Uh, tell us what you discovered. Yes, yeah, so this is one of our regular insur- or one of our regular surveys of our home insurance customers and we wanted to get an idea of how imaginative they're being when it comes to being secure on Christmas. And we asked them first and foremost where they were hiding their presence from, be it a nosy partner or children in the house. And then with a view to, are those places that people are choosing to hide their presence really the best options? For example, one of the things our survey found, about a quarter of people, just over 26%, are planning to hide their presence in a bedroom wardrobe. Now, that may feel like it's a good place that, you know, well, the kids won't be in my bedroom without me knowing. Yeah, back so at the wardrobe to... and you can hide things in front of it so nobody will see it. Or that's Absolutely. What you think. Unfortunately, if a burglar manages to get into your home, we know from claims made in relation to burglary from our home insurance customers in the past, the bedroom is one of the first places that the burglar is going to go because they associate us with Items like jewellery, the more expensive items of the house, handbags, watches, everything like that. So the message to homeowners out there, we're obviously hoping no one has the issue of a break-in this year, but maybe the bedroom wardrobe not the best place to be leaving the expensive gifts. And this, what, the second most popular place was the attic. Yeah, I think uh, I think this is now people really kind of really trying to make sure the kids don't find them. That you know, if your yeah. children are getting into the attic without you knowing, you, you you have bigger issues than them finding out what they're getting for Christmas. 
But certainly I think it's it's possibly a better location because, again, the attic tends to be a bit more awkward to get into. So it's not only awkward for the children, but a burglar, if they do get into the property, they're not really going to spend the time and effort into trying to get into the attic. And ultimately, I think if you kind of try to put yourself into a burglar's mind, they're not really going to think, well, the valuable items in this house are likely to be stored in the attic. So it can be a good place if it's an easy option for you. And another one that we, you know, we saw in the survey, a lot of people saying that they were going to be hiding their presence off-site effectively. So they're planning on leaving them in the office or leaving them with a friend or a grandparent, that kind of thing. And just the one thing we would encourage people to be mindful in that regard, at some point you're going to have to move the presence from where they are into your own home. And that a lot of people will choose to do on Christmas Eve. And that means, you know, you have to load the presents into the car. You then have to wait for the children to go to bed. So for a period of time during the day, the gifts are sitting in the car. And that's another place, you know, if someone who's passing by or just your opportunistic burglar may poke their head in t- into the car just to see what's in there. So if you are hiding the presents outside the home, just be mindful of that as well. Yeah, particularly say on Christmas Eve and a lot of those will be opportunistic uh, thefts and we do a weekly crime file here on the programme with um, uh, Gardaí and I, I'm always, I, it never ceases to amaze me, almost week on week there will be items stolen from a car that was left unlocked. Absolutely, I think it's it's one of those things where, I mean look, it happens and people just, especially at this time of year, when you're trying to get shopping done or you're racing to different Christmas parties or even just trying to get the kids around to everything that they have going on, you just wander off from the car and you think you're either thinking, look, I'm only nipping into the shop for two minutes and then you get held up and two minutes becomes 20 and in that time someone has more than enough time to get into your car or you just walk away from the car and you know you haven't made a deliberate decision to leave it unlocked but it just slips your mind It does happen, but it's a good habit of getting into, even if you are only leaving the car for, be it a minute to run into the shop for a litre of milk, just get into the habit of locking it and then... As you form that habit, you'll just do it without thinking about it. Yeah, because a handbag or a wallet or a phone on view. I mean, you're talking seconds for somebody to, you know, when when the car is unlocked, for somebody just to open the door and take it and it's gone. Absolutely. That's all it takes. And again, when you're inside the shop, things happen. You run into, you know, Mary from down the road who you get talking to for a couple of minutes or the the queue at the till is a little bit longer the card machine isn't working at the first attempt and there's more than enough time there for someone if they do happen to spot that you've left your wallet or your handbag or your phone sitting in the passenger seat more than enough time for them to uh, get a little opportunistic and give themselves an early Christmas gift Okay, and of course when back to the burglars and keeping your house safe that's the most important thing is to keep the burglar out of your home Barry Absolutely. So I think, you know, again, you're never really going to be able to eliminate the risk of a burglary 100%, but there are some things you can do just to reduce your risk. First and foremost, if you have an alarm fitted to your property, now's a good time to double check that it is working and make sure that you're setting it anytime you're leaving the property. The other thing, and it's kind of similar to what we were saying about locking up your car, it's a good idea anytime you're leaving the home, even if it's just, you know, again, to run out for a few minutes, check that the windows are locked, check that the doors are locked. Just form that habit that anytime you're going out, everything's locked up. 
just gives just makes it a little bit more difficult for any would-be burglars. And then perhaps this is more relevant to people who are maybe planning on spending a few days away from the home over the Christmas period, be it visiting relatives or whatever. Just ask a neighbour to keep an eye on the home if you are away for a while. Obviously, a trusted neighbour, don't ask the person who's just moved in and you don't know from Adam. <laughs> But ask that trusted neighbour or friend or relative who's living nearby, just keep an eye on the property as as they're passing just now and again. And all these things, as I said, they won't eliminate the risk 100%, but they'll certainly reduce us. Okay. All right. Uh, just to keep everybody safe over Christmas, that's the most important thing and, and don't have it ruined by the house being broken into. All right, uh, Barry, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us and have a good Christmas. That is uh, uh, Barry. Bye-bye. Barry Aldworth there who joins us. He is a Senior Media Officer with the uh, AA uh, 1850 The phone lines, by the way, have been very, very busy this morning, particularly with people giving advice and offers to our listener who remains, we're not saying her name from Balanine, who is looking for the PlayStation 4 for her son. We've had a huge reaction on that and, and we'll update you on that. But just to say thank you to people and uh, and apologies if we didn't manage to get to your phone call because as I say, the phone lines were very busy. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thanks to Margaret Moriarty in Castletown there who sent on and uh, she's uh, she's sent them on previous years as well. Gorgeous little hand knitted Christmas stockings for our Christmas tree here at uh, C103. Thank you, Margaret. They arrived safe and sound today and they're lovely. They're just little hand knitted Christmas uh, stockings. Great. Uh, and, and they're lovely and they'd be a lovely thing for children to get involved with. I don't know if, if children still knit. Do they learn to knit in school? Because they're a little easy little thing be looking at the shape of them and just uh, sew them up and they look really smart on the Christmas tree so thank you Margaret a very kind of you to remember us again and can we wish you a, a happy and um, a peaceful uh, Christmas now the lady from Balanine who contacted us um, she just she contacted us to uh, and said please don't call out call out uh, my name so obviously we didn't uh, and she contacted us to say could you ask your listeners please would anybody have a PlayStation 4 for sale my son is looking for one for Christmas and I simply can't afford to buy uh, a new one thank you so much and it just brought home the how difficult Christmas can be for some families and when there's children involved and we all like to think that Christmas is all about children and we want to make it as magical as possible for Christmas and if a child writes something on a list within reason um, you like to think that that child is going to wake up on Christmas morning and the gift that they so wished for was there and here is a mother desperate because she can't afford to buy a new one wanted to buy a second hand one so we put the call out to see did anybody have one for sale no longer using it in, in the house and you know uh, but it had to be in good working order obviously well firstly a number of people were on offering to sell different there was no PlayStation 4s but they had different games consoles but no this little boy wants a PlayStation 4 and if you have any little boys or girls in your house and they get fixated on a particular games console it's probably because all their friends have it and they've been playing it when they've been around to the mates and there'll be the swapping of the games and all of that. So while it was very kind of people to offer to try to sell other different ones, it's PlayStation 4 was the one we were looking for. A couple of people suggested GameStop. They sell second-hand PlayStations and the good thing about 
going to GameStop says one listener you'll get a guarantee with it and there is a GameStop in Wilton in Cork said a listener hope that is of help and someone else suggested a shop called that I'm assuming you pronounce C-E-C-X C-X so I was looking at it first saying is that, is that shop called Sex and I'm thinking oh, it can't be called Sex so it's it's C-E-C-E and then there's a big X at the end so I, I I'm assuming it's uh, CX is what it's what it's called and they sell pre-owned consoles they also sell phones there's a shop in Blackpool Old Douglas Shopping Centre and on the Grand Parade a listener said I bought a lot there over the years and you can actually look them up online and they'll let you know if they have it in stock so there's so thank you for that so that's a couple of people giving suggestions to our listener in Ballinine where she can go to buy second hand from a shop I don't know how much cheaper they are in the shop I think what she was looking for is because obviously if money is tight what she's looking for is to try to get the best bargain she can so I suppose she's hoping that somebody would have one for sale and would be willing to sell it on at a reasonable price anyway in the midst of all of that and advice coming in from uh, listeners we had a and I don't know if I, I suppose I can just say I can just say Tom I'm not giving out a surname or anything uh, from the I'll just say the North Cork area we'll widen it out in case he doesn't want uh, his his you know he doesn't want to be identified contacted us uh, to say I don't have a PlayStation 4 but if you find one I would be willing to pay for it for that lady isn't that just a gorgeous gorgeous uh, offer we've made contact with the lady in Ballinine because obviously we needed to check would it be okay if one of our listeners bought it for you because she, that wasn't what she texted us in about and you know some people um, have you know would, would might refuse the kind offer you don't want to be stepping in thinking this is this is what this lady wants because that wasn't in any way what she texted in about she literally was just looking for pointers of somebody who might have one uh, for sale so then we've contacted her She's obviously thrilled, absolutely uh, thrilled that uh, anyone would step forward as Tom has done to say, look, I'll, I'll sort that out for you. So we're now, well, John Paul now, is, we're trying to get this all sorted out. We're back getting on to Tom to get it sorted so that we can get the PlayStation um the PS4 and then get it to this uh, lady and have it in plenty of time so that two weeks today isn't it so two weeks today a little boy in Ballinine is going to wake up and under the Christmas tree will be what he wished for and that's all down to Tom uh, in North Cork thank you that really is just the kindness of people just never ever uh, ceases to amaze me. I'm going to get all emotional now thinking about it. Thank you for that. That is is really kind. Okay, just on to a couple of uh, different things coming into us then. Um, morning, Patricia. I have two perfect but well used divan bed basis to donate to anybody who knows of a family or a shelter who could do with them. I don't have mattresses for them. I'm in the Whitegate East Cork area. If anybody knows of a good home for two well-used divan bed bases. But obviously they're fine. Nothing wrong with them. You just need mattresses for them. Is anybody a, a shelter or a family? Maybe a family uh, needs them. If so, can you get on to us please? 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. We were speaking about Brexit in the last hour with Leonie Riada and everything that's going on with the Brexit vote, the Brexit deal vote that we were all holding our breath for was going to happen today and Theresa May has postponed it. Breda Idmalo says, Patricia, I'm fed up listening to people say England. It's the United Kingdom. 
My son lives in Scotland. The same, always England, England, England. It's like the rest don't even matter. Annoyed, signed, annoyed. I breathe that in Mallow. And I suppose I, I probably did it as well, did I? I'm probably guilty of it as well. I know if I stop and think about it, I will always say the United Kingdom because, breathe, you're not the first person who has said that. I've had people from Scotland who live here. I've had people from Wales uh, who live here, people from Northern Ireland uh, who will say it's not all about England. It is the United Kingdom. England is only one part of the United Kingdom. And obviously, for something like Brexit, we're talking about the United Kingdom. So my apologies, Breda, if I'm one of the people. Uh, if in that last interview I said England, I do my very best, as I say, to try to always refer to it as the United Kingdom, particularly when we're talking about something like Brexit. Some tips and words of advice for the paint. Remember the gentleman who contacted us from Whelan? He spilt emulsion paint on his stone fireplace and wants to know what's the best thing to get it uh, off. Well, Ryan O'Keefe, who is a painting and decorator, a man in the know, has WhatsApp to say, hi, tell that gentleman in Mwilin to buy Flux, Fluxax, F-L-U-X-A-X, it's a paint remover. You can get it in Pat McDonald paints. You put it on with a brush. You leave it to soak in for about an hour or more. And then you wipe it off the stone fireplace. You may, though, even need to use a wire brush because I don't know how much of the emulsion paint has gotten on to the fireplace. So F-L-U-X-A-X is the name of it. It's a paint remover. Put it on with the brush. Leave it to soak for an hour and then use the wire brush if needs be. Actually, and a couple of other people said uh, a wire brush with, a, a, with, with any type of a paint remover. But the fact that Ryan is a painter decorator, I would go with the brand he's talking about because obviously he's had that happen or has seen it happen and has used this product and we know for sure that this product works but a lot of people saying yeah good old wire brush the bit of elbow grease you can never beat it 1850 John Paul uh, uh, continues to take your calls and this is lovely this is real uh, well it's been billed here as an act of kindness but this is really a piece of honesty and it's great to have honesty particularly at this time of the year Jerry and Mallow was at an ATM machine on Main Street in Mallow yesterday it was around lunchtime and he keyed in all of his you know, numbers and all that and keyed in how much he wanted to take out and then his card came back and away our Jerry and Mallow walked not realising that he'd forgotten to take the money. You know, the way your card comes out first and then your money comes out. He obviously popped his card back into his wallet, forgot the money was there and walked away. The lady who was standing in the queue, who was next to approach the ATM machine, called Jerry back to say, sorry there, you forgot your money. And Jerry doesn't know the lady's name, hoping that she might be listening just wants to once again he obviously did say thank you to her yesterday but just wants to publicly acknowledge her honesty uh, yesterday and he really hopes that that honesty will bring her some luck and I hope it does too you get really good karma don't you from something like that I mean you really do get good karma because I had a friend of mine who took a quite a large sum of money well it was 500 euro out of an ATM machine and the very same thing happened she was a bit distracted didn't take the money out and walked away 
and was actually going into the bank funny enough she was paying bills and stuff but she needed to take cash out so she did it first and was when she got into the bank and she was doing her bits and bobs that she realised oh my god I've left the 500 euro in the machine went straight back out money was gone now lucky there was a camera on on it and they were they they eventually found the person there was a it was a a person a man walking by saw the money sticking out of the machine went over took it up put it in his pocket and walked away now he did get caught and all of that and the money was uh, returned but absolutely no honesty at all about it so there was a lovely lovely honest lady yesterday and Jerry, thank you for taking the time to call us and yes I agree with you I, I hope it brings her lots of luck and lots of really good karma which I think it will do 1850-3331033-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-2103-Wattsapp-086-
for uh, notice of termination. The three main issues are house sales. The second one will be landlord or family member moving in. And the third one then are substantial refurbishment of the property. They're the three main reasons. There are other reasons such as, you know, changing the use of the dwelling, maybe to a business on a on, on a high street, but that's very rare, okay? Three main reasons are the family member, house sale and renovation. Now with renovation, when the property is finished, they have to offer it back to the tenant. Okay. Um, so, but like on the but on the house sale one, uh, Connor, we certainly have heard from uh, listeners over the last couple of years, certainly where you know the landlords said, "Look, I'm selling up, blah blah blah. You have to leave," and the person leaves, and then maybe three months later, the house wasn't sold. It actually never went up for sale. The tenant, the former tenant, would believe, and it was rented out to somebody else because the landlord managed to get higher rent. Yeah, look, that can happen. You know, like, it's like with any legislation, is it is open to abuse. Now, in a situation like that, you know, you can... Like, well, first of all, like, when a landlord is doing a notice for a house sale, like, a couple of years ago, they brought in a new regulation that they, that they have to sign a, a sworn affidavit, OK? So if you're signing a sworn affidavit and then not following through, you know, that can have consequences for you, of course. Um, so in a situation such as that, if a tenant does realise that the place is back up and daft or whatever it might be, you can take a case to the Residential Tenancies Board for abuse of the relevant section of the rules. Um, you now, for the person that had to move out, the upheaval has happened in their life. Hopefully mm. they'll be after finding a new place. But look, there are consequences, you know, to breaking the rules. Uh, but look, yeah, look, it does happen. Yeah, yeah, and and when you said you know when somebody contacts you and and you look at the reasons that have been given by by the landlord and when you find it is an invalid uh, reason, have you managed to keep people in the property by your intervention? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, we do that every day. You know, that's um, an everyday occurrence. You know, uh, there were like in like we protected one thousand nine hundred fifteen tenancies in twenty seventeen. Uh, so that could be someone coming to us telling us, you know, after getting this notice, it all looked very correct, okay, it could be sent from a solicitor, but then when we check the details, we might realise that they're they're not after getting enough time, for example, we might realise they're actually in a fixed term lease, you know, there could be many different reasons, but yes, so every day we're protecting tenancies. That's good, Um, that certainly is good to you, and actually I was reading in the papers today that, you know, landlords that break uh, the law have faced jail and hefty penalties up to €30,000. This is for breaking the strict rules on rent hikes. This is under uh, beefed up protection for for tenants. It was announced by the Housing Minister, Owen Murphy. Yeah, look, I'm after seeing the, I'm after seeing the media reports on that. There are being, like, the legislation is being signed off on today. So I think we're waiting for the, the exact legislation to see exactly what's in it. But um, I have seen those headline figures. Um, that's for if they breach the rent pressure zone rules, okay? Because currently, as it stands, okay, so if you're living in Cork and it's 4%, okay, and mm. uh, per annum, like, if a landlord kind of tries to put it up to 8% and you go to the RTB, they're just told, oh, you can't do that, okay? And that's it. There's no real penalty. They just can't do it, okay? Um, so they're bringing in these new rules to make that whole that whole whole area much stricter, you know, much actual penalties for breaching the rent pressure zone rules. Um, like, which is, like it is welcome, you know. I guess the rent pressure zone rules when they were brought in. I suppose on the front line, you do see benefits to them, you know, because they're helping people every day that the rent is going up by four percent and not ten. Um, but overall, 
that there wasn't any backup to actually enforce them. So they weren't really working. Okay, so what we're seeing, uh, what we're going to see in the legislation today is much more stricter rules about how they actually operate with the Residential Tenancies Board taking a real proactive um, approach to making sure that they're actually um, being adhered to. Well, certainly, certainly has to be welcomed. And of course, keeping people out of emergency accommodation uh, ultimately is saving the government a lot of money. I mean, it is expensive to keep families in rented accommodation, like keeping them in hotels, for example. Yeah, it's absolutely extremely expensive. Um, I know that, look, in, in 2017, so Threshold do help, what it's called, like we have a partnership with the Department of Social Protection where if people have got a rent that's above the rent cap, we can help to bridge that gap, okay? Um, and I think that cost in 2017, it cost in the region of two and a half million, okay, with the amount of people that came to us. But if those people were in homeless services, that would have cost five million, okay? Mm-hmm. So that's two and a half million being saved by by this, it's called the interim protocol. So yeah, absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, keeping people in emergency accommodation is extremely expensive for absolutely. everybody. And then, not just, okay, we think on monetary terms, but the social cost, you know, for children and for families, it's just, that's, that, that can't be measured, you know. So that's the real reason why we have to keep people out of home. Okay, a, a question from a listener. What does Threshold believe the government could do to ensure tenants' rights are better protected? Is there more they could be doing the government? Well, there's more we can do. Like Threshold's always working um, at a national level, like like highlighting what the frontline staff see as problems. Okay, um, so we're always trying to get the legislation improved. Okay, so for example, okay for a house sale. Okay, like all over Europe, if you're if a house is being sold, um, the tenants are allowed to stay there until the whole house sale is complete. Like and. Anyone who has any experience of this in Ireland knows it can take months for a house sale to be completed. Absolutely, with all the paperwork and everything yeah, that's exactly. to be done, yeah. Exactly. So, but in Ireland, you know, they can get they can get vacant possession and then sell the house. You know, uh, so that's one area that, that could definitely be improved. Okay. Mm. The house sale, like it's all yeah. like when it's all completely done, then the tenants move out. Uh, that's one area. Other areas then are okay. Other areas would be like there are certain loopholes in the law. I won't go into the exact details of them here, okay? But there are certain times where tenancies can be terminated way easier than other times. Um, so we're always calling for the, the closing of those particular loopholes. Uh, so, yeah, there are ways that we could improve the legislation so that okay, a lot of, there's a lot more people now renting than before and a lot of people are thinking, okay, I'm going to be renting for a long time, if not forever. So we have to be able to put in place a, a system where, okay, you're going to be in this house now for the next 15 years and that's that. Okay? And I, and I suppose what, you know, the Minister Owen Harris is bringing, the piece of legislation that we spoke about a couple of minutes ago to increase the powers of the Residential Tenancy Board, I mean, that's, the, that's all positive. They're all steps in the right direction. So they are trying. There are steps in the yeah. right direction, yeah, absolutely. But like, more look, could be done. It's compared to, like, let's say four or five years ago, like, it's the rapidly changing area, okay? So four or five years ago, some of the rules, like, if I told you them now, you probably wouldn't even believe that they were the rules, but they were. You know, so now we have seen a lot of improvements. There's, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I guess it's... I guess I suppose, so like... You often hear, like, we need more housing, okay? But also, like, the actual housing that's there as well, like, there are a lot of issues with standards of properties. Okay, and um, there's a prime time program there last year. You know, shown her, there's people living in horrific conditions around the country. So and are, are, pe- are people af- in some cases afraid to complain because they lose the roof over their head, even if it's a bad roof over their head? It's better than none. 
Look, people can, yeah, there is a lot of fear out there to actually raise issues, but if you had like a proper certification system, like Threshold are calling for an NCT style certification for housing, if that was there, that in and of itself, in and of itself pushes people towards improving the standard of the properties. Um, even if, and even taking the fear out that people have, you know, you'd have proper enforcement where local authorities would be calling to properties to make sure they're done properly. And it's not all up to the tenant to report it, which is the current situation. Okay, so there are a lot of improvements that could be made. And like, for example, like the RPZ, RPZ register, we're hoping will be a good example of how those improvements can be made. Okay. All right. And I mentioned in the introduction, uh, hard to believe the threshold 40th anniversary that you're going 40 years and your services need needed now uh, more than ever. And a side of your work that I think a lot of people maybe are not aware of, y- you have success moving households out of homelessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, here in Cork, uh, there's the Access Housing Unit. Um, so they're, they're a team of workers that they work with people who have become homeless and they're in B&Bs and um, hotel accommodation. No B&Bs and homeless shelters. So they work closely with landlords and with tenants to help them move on from those situations. And then they can offer tenancy support so that they can settle down into those tenancies. Yeah, so that's a very successful project. Yeah. Okay, and it'll be a difficult Christmas, won't it, Connor, for for many families in emergency accommodation? Not the best place if you've got young children. No, it would be very difficult, you know, and the the current homeless kind of set up, you know, with, with hotels and B&Bs, like, it's not fit for purpose, you know, for, for this day and age, because people are seeing themselves going into hotels and they're there indefinitely. That's the, the that's a major part of the problem. You know, if you knew you were going to be there for a month, you're kind of, okay, you could set yourself a month and then you're going to be seeing improvements. So people are there, they can be there for more than a year, for example. So, you know, that's, it's, it's not good any time of the year, but especially at Christmas, of course. Yeah. Okay, all right, we leave it there, uh, Connor. Listen, thank you for that, and uh, happy Christmas to all the bunch at uh, Threshold. Not at all, yeah, and just the free phone number, I'll just put it out there. Please do, yeah. Um, So it's 1800 454 454, where 9 to 9, Monday to Friday, um, we also were operating a Christmas on-call service, so people can call during the Christmas break. Um, Also, then our email address is advicecorkatthreshold.ie, and our office hours are 9.30 to 5. Okay. All right. Thanks for that, Connor. Okay, thanks. Okay, uh, thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. Merry Christmas. Happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Connor Lynch there uh, joining us from uh, Threshold in uh, Cork. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, yesterday we spoke with Tim Noonan, who is part of a group of people setting up a community first responder scheme in East Duhalo. They actually have a meeting tonight in the Adelquin Hall. But during our chat, we spoke about defibrillators and their importance in saving lives. Tomás Healy is from Ballyvorney and he knows the importance of these defibrillators. And he joins me to share his uh, story. Good morning to you, Tomás. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, How are you? Well, I'm very well and you are welcome to the programme. I want to take you back to last October and you had what I believe was flu-like symptoms. That's correct. The morning of stormophilia, I was feeling quite rotten and it continued in that day and into the next day. And uh, only for my wife persuading me to go to the doctor, I probably wouldn't have, thinking I just had a viral flu infection now. Probably the worst one I had ever, but uh, I still thought that was all it was um, until I got to the door with the doctors. And I was speaking to um, to Anne, my sister, who's a practice nurse there, and um, and collapsed into her arms. 
So she started CPR and called for Dr. Burke, the, my, my doctor, uh, who luckily had a defibrillator in the boot of his car just outside the door. And uh, they defibrillated me. Uh, but unfortunately, my problem was a viral infection. So I would come back and they would get me talking to them and stuff again. Or So I heard afterwards. Uh, but then I'd go again because the, the electrical system in my heart wasn't right. So they had to continuously defibrillate me until the ambulance came. And they again had to, had to defibrillate me until they got me to hospital. How many times was the defibrillator used on you? Uh, I think I came up with a record 15 times. Whoa, goodness me. Do you, what do you remember of the day? Nothing other than going to the doctors in the morning. Uh, and then uh, waking up about seven in the morning in the hospital. But in between, I had been coherent and talking to people and stuff and semi-aware of my surroundings, according to the people around me uh, and my family and stuff. But uh, but don't remember any of it, to be honest with you. Uh, but certainly only for my sister and Dr. Burke, Dr. Reardon, and John Downey, I wouldn't be here, you know, and a defibrillator, obviously, very importantly. Huge shock for your sister, who happens to be the practice nurse in in the doctor's practice, but huge shock for her. Uh, I imagine so, yeah. Yeah. I imagine so, to be honest, yeah. Okay. uh, Uh, It just highlighted as you currently felt the need for defibrillators in the community and people that are trained to use them as well. Yeah, I mean, you are alive today because that defibrillator was available. I mean, that's plain and simple. Yes, and because it was so close, it gave me a great chance. And are there many defibs in your area? Uh, luckily, in Bellavoni, we've, we've, we were, we were quite well. I once were quite well engaged with defibrillators, but we have four within the village itself. Um, That's the good. The Bar Club Joint Secretary I've uh, purchased one there a few weeks ago, and we also trained eighteen people in this use. Um, and the GA in turn have a number of defibrillators up around the village as well. Um, so I think in total, in the actual village itself, we've got four of them. Um, I think the difficulty myself and, in fairness, Scott County Council and Artists were very good to us uh, to help support uh, the cost of the defibrillator. And also, uh, speaking with Councillor Governor Moynihan, we've come up with, uh, you know, a sort of a difficulty that not everybody knows where they are. And especially if um, you're not from the area. Or in the kind of panic situation where you've got somebody that in need of it, uh, we need to be able to make people very aware of where they are. And to be honest, hence the article and uh, and some of the Facebook stuff we've been doing, you know. Yeah, to get the message out as to where these defibrillators are. Because when I mentioned you were coming on, a listener from the Roscarbury area says, Hi Patricia, with regards to the interview with the gentleman whose life was saved with the defibrillator, that's uh, Tomas Healy who I'm just speaking with, um, I would like to wish him a long and a happy life and well done to the responders who helped him out. But I've noticed recently that there is a defibrillator. A defibrillator has been installed in the square in Roscarbury, which is a fantastic asset to the community. The only thing is... There is a keypad to enter a code to open the cabinet to access the defibrillator. But 
there's no contact number on the cabinet as to who to call to get the code if the defib is needed. In the event of a cardiac arrest, time is of the essence and having a defibrillator with no way of acquiring the access code could be the difference between life and death. Uh, which I'm going to try and sort out why there, why there isn't a contact phone number on that particular defibrillator. What, what do you do in Ballyvorney, Tomas? Are there... Are there how do you how do you get access we, to the defib? We, we we haven't installed codes on them. Okay. Um, specifically for that reason, and as well as you know, somebody runs up to get the defibrillator, um, and you know, rings the number and doesn't get an answer, then they're also in trouble. So I, I appreciate it's a toss up between security and making sure they're safe and there and available, but the availability is very important as well, and certainly. In a stressful situation, it's very difficult to be looking around for a phone number or a code, you know. So the ones in Ballyvorney are just, you just open the box and, and take it out? Correct. Oh yeah, they, okay. are, they are alarmed. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I, but I assume this one in Roscarbury. I mean, if they are going down the route of putting up this keypad on it, there should at least be a telephone number, shouldn't there? To let there, people know. There should. Yeah, there you, should. You, you, you would imagine. Or the code just maybe. Yeah. So listen, tell us, uh, tell us how you're doing. This was last October. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, really, at this stage. How is your health? Uh, my health is very good. I'm back doing everything I was doing. Um, my the the capacity of my heart is not as good as it was, um, but uh, what I have allows me to do everything that I want to do, uh, including playing racquetball. So, because you're secretary of the naval ball and hand handball and racquetball, racquetball isn't club, it? That's correct. Yeah. So, are you more a racquetball man or a handball man? Uh, racquetball. Racquetball. Racquetball is, is your sport. So you had never suffered any kind of heart complaint before this viral infection? No, I had some high blood pressure and some very minor issues, but nothing significant, no. Family history? None. So it literally None. was a viral infection you picked up? Correct, yeah. My God. And is it true you thought it was man flu you had? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know we don't make the patients to this but uh, yeah I certainly thought it was just you know the worst flu I ever had in my life which is which in effect is what it was was a, yeah. was a viral flu you know but uh, bad enough to to start upsetting other things you know God you, you were lucky you went to the doctor I was lucky for to have all of the people around you know uh, I mean my wife and I and my sister and the nurses and the doctors and Everybody that helped, you know. Yeah, your time wasn't up, that's for sure. I guess nobody wanted me either above uh, or below. No, everything was in the right place for the for the right reason. Listen, Absolutely. I think you're going to have a, ter- a terrific Christmas and you well deserve it as indeed as all of the, the of the family and poor, it's, it's Anne, your sister, I'm thinking of collapsing into her arms, God help her. Um, so send her on our best wishes and listen, thanks a million for joining us and talking to us on the programme today. I certainly will. Thanks. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Tomás Healy, whose life was saved because a defibrillator was available. With a reminder to you, what kicked all this off was Tim Noonan talking to us yesterday about the East Duhallow community responders. They are about to go live uh, in the East Duhallow area and they will be servicing the Canturk and the surrounding areas. They reckon about a seven kilometre radius, I think, of Canturk is the area they're going to serve. And tonight they're going to be in the Adelquin Hall at half past seven. They just want to let the good people of East Duhallow know 
who they are, what they are, what they're doing. And obviously, if there's anybody around who would like to become a first responder, you will learn life-saving skills. They certainly would love to hear from you. It's a half past seven tonight in the Adelquin Hall in Kenter. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were talking about defibrillators in the last round. In particular, the listener contacted us from Ross Garbury saying, fantastic, there's a defibrillator in the square in Ross Garbury. But the problem that the listener contacted us is there's a keypad on it to access it. Obviously, there's a keypad put on it to keep it safe. And But there's no telephone number on. If anybody can let us know why there isn't a telephone number on that particular defibrillator in Ross Garbury. There's there should be a contact number on the box so that a person can ring if to, to get the code. I, and I don't know I don't know who's installed that particular defibrillator, but I'm sure somebody listening will know what the story is with that defibrillator in Ross Garbury and why there isn't a contact number. I was saying it to John Paul, and he was saying perhaps the contact number was you know has fallen off or something, and that the people who've installed the defibrillator maybe are unaware that there's no contact number on the cabinet in order that somebody could ring to get the code if the defibrillator was needed and needed uh, in um, a, a hurry. Well, Ger in Bandon was on just to tell people that all the fire trucks in the county I didn't know this all have defibrillators installed in them and all of the fire personnel are trained and he says there's no problem to call out the fire service if you need it you know somebody has collapsed and it's very obviously it's a heart attack and somebody needs a defibrillator and Ger actually reckons it's probably a quicker route to go because Ger reckons the fire service could possibly get to somebody faster than actually getting a defibrillator out uh, of a wall. Well, in Tomas's case, he collapsed in the doctor's surgery and there was a defibrillator in the boot of the, of the doctor's car. So he was, certainly was very, very lucky indeed. But it's a good piece of advice from Ger. I want for all of us to know that the fire service, I was unaware of that, all of them have a defibrillator installed. Thank you for that, uh, Ger. Now, we're going to be talking about how to survive Christmas and the stresses and strains of Christmas and coping with families and family dynamics around Christmas and maybe sometimes spending time with people that you don't want to spend time with and just the whole stresses that come with uh, Christmas. Loneliness is something that we often talk about at Christmas. A really good text in from a listener to say, Hi Trish, we always went big at Christmas but in recent years we've had quiet ones. Just me and the old person that I care for. He was in respite last year so I spent Christmas on my own. It was great. I did all of the usual stuff, just did it on a smaller scale. I pulled a cracker. I set fire to the plum pudding, etc. And guess what? I wasn't a bit lonely. People have blown this loneliness at Christmas out of all proportion. The worst part was people offering me dinner that made me feel more uncomfortable than actually being on my own. Yeah, that's that's interesting. People are assuming that you're going to be lonely when in fact you're very happy with your own company and there are people that are very happy with their own company but the flip of that there are also people who are on their own who are very lonely and would have loved the invitation from somebody to say do you want to join us for Christmas dinner or would you like me to drop you over at Christmas dinner but I suppose well, we have to accept if somebody says no and very politely says, no, I'm fine on my own, then you leave that person on their own. It's a little bit like bereavement and the first Christmas. 
I mean, you know, bereavement, it, you know, it, it, it can be more than just the first Christmas, but often the first Christmas is the one that seems to get highlighted uh, the most. And I know something Joe Heffernan often says, and it's something I often quote to people, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. And, you know, there's no right or wrong when it comes to bereavement. And if somebody says, no, I'm very happy on my own, then accept that the person is happy on their own. That doesn't mean that you can't reach out and make the offer. But if somebody, you know, very firmly says, I want to stay on my own, then leave them on their own. Because we certainly have heard from people over the years who would contact us to say, you know, I have my family or I have friends who are just nagging the life out of me to join them and I really don't want to. I would prefer to be on my own. Some people, particularly when it's bereavement, now it isn't bereavement in the, in the case of this listener, but sometimes with bereavement, people prefer that. They prefer to grieve that way by doing it on their own on, on Christmas Day and you have to respect that and allow that that's what the person wants to do. But for genuinely, genuinely lonely people and there are people who will be miserable because they're on their own, you know, the hand of friendship has to be extended there. But absolutely, if you are happy with your own company and it sounds like you had a jolly little Christmas, able to do what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, pulling your own cracker and even setting your plum pudding on fire, you know, go you, well done you. But maybe that, maybe that's what you now need to say if it comes up again this year, which obviously is it will, is for you to very politely say, and I know it making, it's making you feel uncomfortable, the fact that people are looking at you, oh, you must be lonely because you're on your own, you're going to have to come to us you I'll bring you over dinner it's just to politely say I actually enjoy my own company I had a really nice Christmas last year and and I, and if you I, I guarantee you if you say that if you say to to somebody who's making that kind offer and it is done out of kindness you know the, whoever's making those people that are offering to you are just being kind but just you know very nicely say no thank you for the offer really really nice but I had a jolly good Christmas last year and I'm looking forward to doing the same at uh, this year and I hope you have a very happy Christmas you know if you do decide to have it on your own. It's what it's what suits you and what comfortable with you, that's what you should go with. 1850-333-103. We spoke earlier on with Barry Aldworth about how to keep safe this Christmas from burglars. If you're out and about shopping and for shopkeepers, you need to keep safe as well because unfortunately there are people who go out at this time of year to either target shops when it comes to shoplifters, but also to target people out and about. And I was reading in today's paper in The Examiner, Stephen Rogers is writing in The Examiner that the Gardaí arrested eight people involved in shoplifting incidents in Cork City just over last weekend. A Garda from Anglesey Street Garda station said they have been deployed at key times to patrol the busy shopping areas around the city and they actually detained six men and uh, six women. At the, you know, this time of the year, people are the Garda certainly are trying to support the business community and trying to keep them as safe as possible but the advice from the Garda is also to consumers and shoppers who are out and about and asking people to take extra care at this time of year. Be careful, for example, when you're drawing money out from your cash machine. Mind your belongings when you're in crowded areas. Don't leave your shopping or your valuables exposed inside in a parked car. Just be very careful. And I think, you know, particularly if you're taking out large sums of money out of a cash machine, 
are you're picking up I mean I know last Friday for example when the bonus Christmas payment was being paid out one of our listeners actually sent in a text saying that I should remind listeners to be very careful particularly some of our older listeners to be very careful when they're withdrawing the bonus Christmas pension you know if if there's you know a couple two pensioners living together could be up to a thousand euro they would have been taking out of the post office you know it's a lot of cash to be walking around with and a listener was saying I should call it out and tell people to be very careful Uh, and you know I soul searched and I I didn't do it because I was afraid that I was going to be drawing attention to older people at the post offices last Friday who'd be picking up their pension so I deliberately didn't um, say it but I know that listener who'd contacted us their good intention was to try to keep everybody safe so you do need to be really really careful I mean if you're at an ATM machine for example and you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable because there's people hanging around or you you feel you've been watched just move on to a different ATM uh, machine and for us the ladies be careful with the handbags we've we've they really and I know I'm guilty of this we have the habit of leaving the handbag down. I was only shopping at the weekend and, and I did it. I went to look at something. I left the handbag down. Now, it was kind of in my eye shot, but there was another woman actually said, you really shouldn't be leaving your handbag there. You know, it could be whipped. The purse could be gone out of it really quickly. So we do need to be uh, careful. And actually the arrests, the eight people uh, arrested uh, for the shoplifting in Cork City. The Garda spokesman says the eight arrests made in the city they'll be before the they'll be brought before the courts, um, but some will be dealt with by way of an adult caution. I don't quite know what that means. And three of the rest of the weekend related to just one incident. So that looked like that was a gang who had obviously targeted Cork City and deciding that they were going to do wreck, and that's how they were going to have their nice Christmas at the which would have been costing business community in uh, stead. A couple of motoring things I want to talk about, some legislation that's coming before the door. Now this is something I have to say I agree with. This is penalties for motorists caught speeding will be determined by how fast they're caught driving. This is under a new proposed law that's been considered actually by the government uh, today. The Transport Minister Shane Ross is expected to bring an outline of a new bill. It's going to be the Road Traffic Bill at 2018 before the Cabinet. Now under the current law all speeding motorists face the same penalties no matter how fast they're travelling when they're caught. If you're caught speeding, you get a fine of €80 and you get three penalty points under the existing system. And I always thought that that was jolly unfair. I mean, if you're caught speeding and you're doing eight kilometres, you know, you're doing 108 kilometres, 110 kilometres in a 100 kilometre zone, and then I zoom past you and I'm doing 160 kilometres in a 100 kilometre zone, it seems wrong that you only 10 kilometres over and there am I baiting down the road and I'm 60 kilometres over. It just doesn't seem fair that we both would get the same penalty, €80 and three penalty points. So what Minister Shane Ross wants to do, he wants to introduce a new bill which would see penalties for speeding divided into bands with increased penalties determined by the bands and more serious offenders would obviously then receive more serious penalties. And one of the examples that I read about in the papers today that they're using is an increased penalty if a motorist is caught over the speed limit between 10 and 20 kilometres over the limit, then they'd get a fine of €150 and they get four penalty points, where if you were up to 10 kilometres 
over the speed limit then you get you know obviously the fine where it is at the moment at 80 euro and three penalty points well between 10 and 20 kilometres over the speed limit it would go to 150 and four penalty points and I wonder how many more people would agree with you because I always as I say I always thought it was a little bit unfair that there was the one flat rate that all speeding results the, the fine and the penalty points was the same under the existing system so we'll watch that with interest that's going before the cabinet today by the Transport Minister Shane Ross who is also looking at introducing automatic penalty points and an 80 euro fine if you're pulled over by the Gardaí and you do not have your driving licence to hand. We're all told that we should have our driving licence with us in the car. But at the moment, Gardaí have a a discretion that if they stop and you say, they ask you, where's your driving licence? and you say, oh God, it's in my wallet and my wallet is at home, then Gardaí have the discretion to allow motorists to go into the local Garda station with their licence and, you know, they'll give them, a, I don't know, you have to do it within uh, seven days and then nothing will happen. But Shane Roths wants to change that. Shane Ross wants to take the discretion away from Angarda Siakona and say, no, when you're stopped, if you don't, if you're not able to present your driving licence, then instantly you'll automatically get penalty points and you will get an €80 euro, uh, fine. The sources say that the proposal is an effect on the introduction of the Clancy Amendment, which seeks to hold the car owner who gives their vehicle to an accompanied minor uh, accountable in law. Isn't that due in um, Christmas week? Clancy Amendment. I must I must look into that. I'm sure that's due in uh, soon. But part of that now will be this add-on that's going to be, and I'm assuming that's going to be discussed uh, before the Cabinet as well today. How do people feel about that? We've all been told we should never get behind the wheel of a car unless we have our driver's licence with us. Now, you might have it in a handbag and then one day you bring a different handbag with you and the driver's licence isn't there and Gardaí are very good about that, giving you the discretion to go. But under this new law, this is what's going to happen. You will be penalty points and also you will get a fine of €80. Do you think that is a good move? Do you think it's right and proper that the discretion should be taken away from the Gardaí? Your thoughts and comments welcome to 1850 333 103 and you can text or WhatsApp. They come straight into me here at the studio 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The Bethany Bereavement Group, they're holding a talk on how to survive Christmas while coping with a loss that will be given by Eileen Ross in the Hibernian Hotel. And that's tonight at eight. This is a free event and all are welcome. Now, due to the pantomime in the youth centre in Formoy, the, uh, the Synergy Credit Union AGM is now going to be held in the current event centre. And that is tonight at half past seven. Please note the change of venue. Shambhalimore Community Bingo, that's going to be held in the community centre. That's on tonight at 8. Doors open at 8 for a half 8. Start great prizes will be won. And Emmanuel Meals on Wheels will deliver di- dinners as normal up to Christmas Eve. But orders for Christmas Day dinner are being taken up to and including this Friday the 14th of December. Please phone Alma. 
If you'd like to make contact with John Manway, Meals on Wheels on 023-8868-110. And the Irish Blood Transfusion Service, they are going to have a blood donor clinic in the Fergus Hotel in Mitchellstown tomorrow, Wednesday. And that's between five and half past eight. And do Hollow Pony Club and Longueville House are holding a coffee morning on Friday morning from 10am to 12 noon and that's in aid of the Ricky Healy appeal. All are welcome. Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103. Okay and just an update on some of your texts coming in on the defibrillator in Roscarbury and the fact that there's a keypad on it and somebody saying recently installed no access to it. Surely there should be a number for people to get a number that people can contact so they can find out what the code is if it's an emergency. Somebody says you must call the guards to open the defibrillator as far as I know, says a texter. But then someone else has come on and said Ross Garbury Business Association put the defibrillator there. OK, thank you. I was wondering who had installed it. And this sister says I believe training is not done yet on its use. It's only recently been installed Oh, so that might explain why they haven't actually got a telephone number up or they haven't a system in place yet. It's only recently been installed. So kind of watch this space. If we get any more information on that, we will bring it uh, to you. Now, a lot of people not happy with Shane Ross. That's for sure. Let me go to some of the texts that have come in. These new fines for speeding is outrageous, says one caller. If you need to pass out a slower moving vehicle or a tractor, for example, you have to go over the speed limit in order to pass them out. It could be on a hill or whatever and you have to gain a little bit of extra speed you could be caught doing that just trying to overtake a slower moving uh, vehicle and you could be nabbed with the new fines it is outrageous Pat says Patricia it was a big mistake to make Shane Ross a minister for all of us he is bad news says Pat other people say here we go again this is an attack on rural Ireland on the driving licence one and this is the new one that's been introduced automatic penalty points and an 80 euro fine if you're pulled over and you don't have your driver's licence the proposals is going to remove the discretion from the Gardaí where at the moment the Gardaí can say to you can you present your licence to the to the local guard the station and everything's fine and there's no fines and no penalty points that discretion will be removed a listener says on the driving licence how many times have I been running late on the school morning run I drag a jumper on over the jammies and jump into the car without the bag which has the driving licence in it I can't leave the driving licence in the car as the driving licence is a valuable document Shane Ross is rubbish as a Minister for Transport. There'll be a tax on how many squares of loo paper we can use next, says a uh, texter. Some of your calls in Kieran in Kinsale. Some of us keep the driving licence at home secure as they can go missing or get lost if you have them thrown around in the car. I'm disgusted at Shane Ross. Surely with all of the technology the Gardaí have, they can tell who has an up-to-date driving licence and who's entitled to drive or not. Uh, yeah, if you gave a name, I was going to say the licence plate registration, but your driving licence isn't linked to your licence plate number. 
but you would think maybe a name and a PPS number is, is that possible David Skibbereen thank you for that uh, Kieran. David Skibbereen says I'm self-employed and I'm out in all kinds of weather all day long I could be driving any one of I could be driving any one of them I'm assuming he's got more than one vehicle I have the old licensed the old paper licence one and if I carry that around with me it will be absolutely destroyed if I keep it in the glove compartment of the van that I always use and then if I'm stopped by the Gardaí and I'm in a di- different vehicle what will happen whereas at the moment if I'm stopped by the Gardaí they'll understand when I'll say it's in the other vehicle or it's in the work van or whatever and then I'll be able to bring it to the Garda station which is what the discretion they have now. This new law, if it comes in, it will be absolutely ridiculous. John in Charleva says, I think a photocopy, you could have a photocopy of your driver's licence in your car. Would that not work? Oh, I don't know whether I don't know whether a photocopy whether you have to have the genuine article or not. And John John and Balinhasic says, could you photo the driving? Yeah, that's the same thing. Uh, it's the very same point. Could you take a photocopy? I don't know if this, if and when this law comes in, they are the type of questions we will be desperately trying to get answers to. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Lines are open. We're going to take a break, and we're back with Joe Heffernan. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C one zero three. This is the Court Today replay on C one zero three. Uh, Mary in Whitechurch has a rather uh, good suggestion, particularly on this, the uh, what to do with the driver's licence with Shane Ross trying to take the discretion away from the Gardaí that if you're stopped and you don't have your driver's licence with you, you'll instantly get a fine of €80 and automatic penalty uh, points. Mary says, what about having an app on people's phones that you could have your driver's licence on the app? like using public transport with the phone as everyone will have their phones. Um, yeah, I mean, an, an app a, an app certainly would be a good idea, but then you're back to, you've got to make sure that everyone, I know you think everybody has a mobile phone, but does everybody have a mobile phone? Anyway, but yeah, it's a good suggestion. It certainly would be, would be one way around people saying that they're not going to, they don't always have their, their, they don't always have their driver's licence with them. But I suppose then that goes back to the listener who was saying that in the morning when she's doing the school run and she runs out the door, just grabs the car keys and gets into the car with the children. She doesn't bring her bag with her, which has the driving licence with it. More than likely, what will also be in the handbag will be the phone. So... Yeah, it's it's going to be the same thing. If you don't have it with you, you don't have it with you. And that's what Shane Ross is trying to take away is that discretion from the Gardaí. You have to have it with you before you get into the car. So it's, I think he's, the, his theory is going to be that when you walk out the door with the car keys in your hand, you've got to also make sure you've got your driving licence in the other hand. 1850-333-103. Uh, Joe Heffernan joins us to talk about Christmas stress. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. Uh, and, you're very, and I'm just thinking with all the Christmas stresses, the last thing you'll be thinking of, do you have the driver's licence with you as, you as you're heading out the door? Now, I'm looking to have the car keys. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I thought it was funny, one of the listeners, the way she described even having the jammies still on her and just throwing the coat on as she rushes the children. The last thing you're thinking about is what's, what's in the bag and what's not yeah, in the bag. Yeah. Anyway. I was bringing out bins this morning um, in the mist, you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, uh, trying to 
trying to get this done, trying to get that done, and meantime, bringing two bins at the one time, trying not to have a heart attack again. And the thing there is, bring the bins out one at a time. One at a time. Okay, one of the first pieces of, one of the first tips you gave, and I think this is probably one of the best tips, in because we're at the stage now where we're prepping for Christmas. Christmas is two weeks today, by the way, two weeks today, the turkey should be yeah. cooking or well cooked at this stage. The making lists. Yeah, to just write down, it's no big deal. Um, you know, um piece of paper, even a poster and um to to just jot down the few things that need to be done. And it sort of gives you a feeling of control. I mean, I can yeah, I can do that and I can do that. I can do that now on Thursday and um yeah, at the weekend I can do that. And it takes the kind of stress off it of um you know, a sort of uh like we can all do running around like a headless chicken saying, oh my God, I forgot that and oh, I, I've i got to see that person and, uh, you know, we're still a bit old-fashioned. We we write our Christmas cards and post them. Um, I'd probably go mental um, trying to get the thing to work for sending the ones online. Um, the electronic uh, because, ones, yeah. Uh, you know, there might be a password. There might be something. I'm in dread of the word passwords because I... I forget them. <laughs> My son tells me, Dad, just write them down on a piece of paper and put them somewhere. But sure, there you are. I always think, I'll remember that. And when I put a thing somewhere in the house, I think, I'll remember that. And then I don't. And then I, I think the confusion with passwords is if you've got a few different passwords, it's trying to remember what password was for that oh, one again. Yeah, yeah, can yeah I can't putting in the one for this when I'm actually trying to get into that. Okay, yeah. so, so making lists. And the one thing I think as well about making lists, I I have a personal, I, I love making lists and then ticking off as you've got things done or if you've got a list of who you've got to buy for for Christmas, ticking it all off and it's there's yeah. a sense of achievement about it. And I think the very fact, it's like with a shopping list, the very fact that you've written it down, you won't forget it because it's there, it's there in front of you. Yeah, I often use that analogy about the shopping list, you know, that um, if you do that, well, you're not going along repeating to yourself Half a dozen eggs, um, uh, flora, um, yes. uh, uh, loaf of bread. Do you know, you don't have to because it's in your pocket. You you know that when you get to wherever that you can just take it out. And again, that takes off a bit of stress. And that's what we're all about today is like trying to take away uh, the stress that can occur at this time of year um, when everyone feels that they have... 110 things to do and only the time for 100, you know. Okay, so so make the list. Now, the other one is, and and I mentioned this earlier because there was a survey that I came across over the weekend just showing how stressed people were. Um, I think it was two out of five people that were interviewed as part of the survey were saying financial pressures and that brings with it its own stresses and strains. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, there was some kind of false information given to our writer. They were saying that the average household would spend something like 2,700. But I mean, what they weren't saying in that was that included the mortgage, yeah. the electricity. It was how much would be spent over the entire month of December. I yeah. think it worked out at 800 more than what you spend at any other time of the year. Fair but enough. it looked like the people were spending that much just on Christmas, but exactly. that wasn't it. Exactly, and that wasn't true. But what we can do, of course, is um, uh, max out the old credit card, um, uh, not kind of think of the rainy day. I mean, with the winter coming on, 
You mentioned while, uh, an app while ago about uh, the driving license. There's some app that was mentioned in the doll the other day. It sounded a bit hilarious, but anyway, it was an app about your tyres and with the wet roads in winter and all, okay, supposing four tyres are wanted in January, mm. you know, to kind of think a bit ahead um, because uh, I always get completely surprised when I hear the price of tyres. I, I think they're talking about four when they're talking about, about one. one. I know, I know. <laughs> so, you and know, like anything like that can happen. And, and, and to be careful that you're not faced with a mountain of debt um, after Christmas. Um, and one of the things, um, you know, it is it, really is really got to me and would get to any human being there on, um, I think it was Saturday, December the 8th, the front page of the Irish Examiner was that little girl, um, Poppy Dunleavy, who was facing her fourth year, her fourth Christmas um, in a hotel bedroom. And, you know, it, 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 it did two things for me anyway. One, it made me feel... Uh, that maybe we every little bit helps maybe uh, with the likes of Simon and the likes of um, St. Vincent de Paul and that, that if we can have a few bob to spare to maybe send it there and a feeling of gratitude you know we're going to sit down please God and on Christmas Day I hope and we're going to have a nice Christmas dinner and the heating will be on and there's a roof over our heads and maybe we take it for granted and maybe we shouldn't especially when we see the pictures there are from uh, Yemen and um and and all of that that um despite uh, Brexit and every other kind of a thing um that we should have a sense of gratitude yeah that um and be thankful to be thankful, be thankful, we're not in a bad little country at all, a yeah. lot of the time. And I know that I don't want to sound smug. There are a lot of people like Poppy who are not going to have... Um, well, uh, I, I spoke with Threshold earlier on this morning and like they're 40 years in existence as a housing charity. And, we, and I was just making the point, they're needed now more than they were ever needed when they first uh, started back in the late 70s. But I made that point that there will be many people facing very difficult Christmases the very thought of having young children and Santa Claus needs to arrive because they're of that age to a hotel room or a yeah. B&B yeah. the mind boggles I just you know I have so totally. much respect for those parents who'll, who'll try to do the best they can Absolutely. to make it as, as enjoyable yeah. so let's let's yeah. not uh, forget them yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and, and um, another thing that can happen at Christmas do you know do you know that old saying, I have a crow to pluck with that person? Just pluck the turkey at Christmas and forget about the crow because it's not the time to have that important talk um, with a son, a daughter, a partner, whatever. Um, it's not the time to kind of uh, uh, to bring up something which is a wee bit contentious because um, it can escalate and then people are, you know, angry, are not talking, are um, in bad humour, and uh, it's not a time to bring up things like that. And also what can happen is, you know, because it's particularly when we're thinking of, of Christmas Day, people can be maybe having a few drinks, and if you do bring up something that's a bit contentious or, or controversial, 
something could be said in anger because they've had a few drinks. Absolutely. That you may not really mean you'll regret it afterwards, but of course the words have come out and you've said it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, with a lot of things that I would often say about would be, would you rather be right or be happy? And a lot of people might say back to me, well, I'd rather be happy. So, I mean, it mightn't be vital that you win that argument. It might be an awful lot better to, you know, to let things go unless that they are absolutely vital. Um, I mean, I'm not talking about abandon assertiveness, not at all. But like that if something can wait until January, uh, if it's something that just might cause a row at Christmas. Hold off. I'd say wait until January. Yeah, hold off. On overspending at Christmas, Johnny says, hi, I put 10 euro a week away every week. Started in January right up until Christmas. It can be done very easily. No excuses. Uh, It can be easily done. Yeah, And if you save 10 euro a week for 52 weeks, that's 520 euro to spend on Christmas. Which would look after yeah. a good fuel in the it would, it would indeed. Yeah. Good, wor- good yeah. words of advice, uh, Johnny. Yeah. And uh, Ed in Dunmanway says, uh, but Patricia, what do you do if you forget the shopping list? <laughs> yeah, and I have done that. <laughs> I have made a shopping list and got to, got to the store. And yeah, yeah, that's It's in the other course. That's where you're then hoping your memory comes in, Ed, and then you <laughs> and you go home and hope that you got everything that was on. Um, yeah. Got everything that was on uh, the list. Okay, yeah. uh, check now if things needed and don't leave things to the last minute. This goes back again to the prep, isn't it? And, yeah. and preparing everything. Yeah, and prioritise like, I mean, if there are certain things that you can't do um, you know, that, that just don't fit time-wise, well then prioritise. I mean d- don't do something which is not that important at all and leave out maybe a visit to a relative are something that is important. I mean, you know, just kind of like say, well, okay, if um, I've eight things on my list, um, two of them have to go, well, then prioritise the uh, the six that, um, you know, that, that, would, uh, that would be more important than the others, you know. And then with the other two, let it go. I mean, if you can't get it done, you can't get it done. Um even before we were on air there, now I was chatting with JP about getting this done, that done, the other thing done, you know. And we both agreed we can't get it all done, um, the things we'd like to do. Um, uh, it's just the three into two will not go. So we have to let certain things that we'd um, fancy doing, but that haven't vital to kind of put them on hold for a while. Okay, and earlier today when I mentioned we'd be talking about the stresses and strains, I had a lovely text in from uh, a listener who said she had a lovely quiet Christmas last year on her own. Quite happy to do it. Um, She just did everything, but just on a much smaller scale. She normally has Christmas with a person who she cares for, but that person went into respite. So she did it, you know, quietly on her own, pulled the cracker, lit the plum pudding, the whole lot. But she said people have been putting her under pressure to join them for Christmas dinner, making her feel uncomfortable. She's happy on her own with her own company. Right. I, I, I fully understand that. And the thing is then to just be able to say no, but to say it nicely. To say something like, well, look, actually, uh, I'm fine. And um, my preference would be um, to just take it easy that day, have a big rest, watch a film and... Uh, 
you know, whatever. But to just as the you know, say no but say it nicely yeah. and um and, and, and suit yourself because the last thing you need is feeling all stressed going to somewhere for dinner when in fact you might much prefer to have a quiet day um on, on one's own. There's a big difference between um loneliness and solitude. I mean loneliness is when you would prefer to be with other people but don't have a choice. And solitude is when you choose to spend time on your own. So, I mean, there's nothing in the world wrong with a bit of solitude. Now, I know next week, as we do every year, we leave the last um, slot with you before Christmas where we deal with the very sad topic of bereavement and we will be doing that next uh, Tuesday. But what can also be a very contentious time at this time of year is when families are separated and the separation or divorce going on and there's children in the middle. Absolutely. And and one of the big, big, big things would be to be flexible and to be reasonable and to put the children first. I mean, uh, to consider their feelings and um, not to be dogmatic or um, uh, insistent on uh, it has to be my way. That... Um, uh, we, we've often talked about having an arrangement whereby we'll say if the kids are with dad on Christmas Day this year and they're with ma'am on say St. Stephen's Day or Christmas Eve, whatever, and to just reverse that then the following year yeah. by agreement. Um, but by agreement. And, by and, agreement. Yeah, and the children. I know, because I, I, I've heard of other families who actually split the day where somebody, the children will spend up to two o'clock at the dad's house and then in the afternoon they go to the mam's house and if that works for that family then that's fine. And that sounds very, very pleasant. That sounds good to me too. But don't expect children to eat two dinners. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's going to be one or the other. You you know what I mean? Again, it goes back to being realistic and prioritising the children and their feelings that it it is all about them. And support the other parent. And cooperate, uh, you know. Um, for example, if the children are doing, as you say, um, either on the same day or the following day or the previous day, have them ready on time. Uh, don't be having someone call and, um, you know, that they're, they're not ready. They're not ready. Yeah. And, um, you know, allow as well for sort of, um, you know, different house rules. One person might be very particular about uh, having everything in place. And another uh, parent might be you're not as um, insistent on that. But the, the few don'ts would be like to don't disappoint the children. Don't argue in front of the children. Don't criticize the other parent. And don't compete um, to do with presents. I mean, that if dad spends 100, I'll spend 120 or vice versa. Um you know, don't uh, don't compete do, uh, that way. Um, it doesn't uh, do any favours to the hmm? children. It doesn't do any favours to the children. And it gives them an awful lot of power because kids will play one parent yeah. up against the other. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, and I always throw in, don't forget the grandparents. Oh, cause absolutely. Because grandparents can really get excluded and they love to see the little ones at Christmas. And often if it's a very fractious separation. It is the grandparents that, that have a tendency to lose out? It can happen. Yeah. It, it's it's sad, but it can happen. And, um, you know, 
It doesn't mean that anyone is bad, bad, but it, look, it can happen. Yeah. Um, for example, we've only the one grandchild and um, he's... Uh, Overseas. 15, 16 hours away by plane. Yeah. Now we're hoping to get out there in 2019. Good. And of Good. course, Ken isn't well. And um, although he's doing extremely well, Brilliant. thank God. Brilliant. And so, he'll be able to Skype and FaceTime and, and, and all of that. Okay. We will be I'm doing over, all I'm, that kind I'm of I'm over on time. Got to leave it okay. there. We'll talk next week, Joe. Thanks for that. Pleasure as always. Okay. That is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Mohopway 029-76617. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.